Hi there, this is Seth Abramovich, senior writer at The Hollywood Reporter. And I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. All that and more on this week's It Happened in Hollywood. Welcome back. Uh, This is a very exciting week for us. Uh, We've done some great cult films over the years at It Happened in Hollywood, but I would say this is the ultimate cult film of all time, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, It actually falls uh, very serendipitously on the 50th anniversary of the play that inspired it, the Rocky Horror Show, which opened at a cramped London theater uh, 50 years ago. And uh, became a cult hit on the theater scene and opened here in L.A. as well on the Sunset Strip. And that's when Meatloaf got involved. And then um, a couple years after that became a movie. And it was not that well received. But, uh, of course, it got discovered by uh, the Midnight crew at various repertory houses around the country and turned into quite the phenomenon. Anyway, we have the legend Richard O'Brien here this week. He wrote, uh, composed all the music, all the lyrics, and starred as Riff Raff, who is, um, I I almost want to think of him as the Boba Fett of the (laughs) Rocky Horror world, the most uh, sort of coolest and admired of all the characters. Um, Richard was so generous uh, to sit in with us. He's now in his 80s and still looks like Riff Raff. And uh, is such an intellectually uh, stimulating uh, and uh, forward-thinking and just cool guy. So, uh, without further ado, let's just get into it. Richard O'Brien and the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You've seen all kinds of movies, but you've never seen anything like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Well, Richard O'Brien, I have to say, uh, I never thought in my life this moment would happen. But thank you, and welcome to It Happened in Hollywood. I'm I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. (laughs) I have so many connections to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but I decided I'm just going to stick to one. And that would be, I was seven years old, and my neighbor, Robin, was 13, and he would introduce me to all the cool things in the universe. I would hang out in his bedroom. And he brought out this record in its sleeve. It was the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack. And I immediately, without even seeing the film, I knew that this is something I was going to be connected to for the rest of my life. I was seven years old and singing along to Sweet Transvestite. So that's how far back um, my connection to you goes. And thank you for it. Well, I, I suppose I've really got to be most grateful to the person I well, I know many people have to be grateful to, but certainly to Tim Curry. And I often think, you know, if it hadn't, if it had been anybody other than Tim, I wonder whether it would have had the legs that it's had. He, he really stepped up, didn't he? And, uh, and, you know, the bar was pretty high. Extraordinary performance. I just watched it again this Halloween, and uh, I tweeted about it. I said, this is an Oscar-winning performance, and, you know, of course, it probably was not going to be recognized by the Academy, but on every level, he delivered uh, a performance for the ages. 
I'll tell you who I was thinking about. I was talking to somebody the other day, an Oscar-winning performance that never got it. I forgot it. And I'll get a name in a moment. Three, three names all in one. Uh, for, uh, last exit from Brooklyn. The girl that played the lead in that. that was her Jennifer debut. Jason Leigh. Yes, a debut. And it was, the, it was one of the most powerful performances I've, I've ever seen on screen. Um, yeah. I'm with you on that one. She is a genius. Yeah, it was terrific. But, um, but we have limited time, and so let's get right. right into it. I love to Off tell the story how something like this comes together. So we're in the 70s in London. You're mm -hmm. uh, attempting to be an actor. And, yes. And, uh, you know, just I love that this is a movie based on your love of movies. That's where uh, it came well, from. Well, it was, it was, I was, I was, I was what you call, what Americans call, you poor people, uh, at the moment, uh, Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, I'll, I'll say no more. Um, uh, you, I, She's certainly a monster. Rationality's <laughs> left the room. Um, uh, uh, you know, it, I was I was an undereducated child. We all were in New Zealand. We were a rural society, and we didn't care about higher education, and it didn't, no, nobody really cared about it. As long as you went to school and and got the three things, you know, arithmetic, you know, all that kind of stuff reading, writing, and arithmetic. That was it, really, because we were a rural country and boys left at 15 to go and help their dad on the farm and, and carry on life. And 90% and of our population, more than 90% of our population, operated on that kind of deal that you left at 15 and, and got a job. So uh, we, uh, there I was at late at night with un other undereducated youths, pimply-faced youths, in, you know, in the, in the, at the midnight screenings, because that's what we wanted. We, I loved populist theme. I loved everything populist. I wasn't an intellectual, and uh, and I had no desire. I, to this day, I find I find opera insufferable. Two hours <laughs> of recitative and and two minutes of beautiful aria. It's not good enough. <laughs> All right. So. So you were going to the midnight screenings yourself in, in you grew up uh, in Auckland or where in New Zealand? I left, I, 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 I grew up, I think that's, uh, that's it once again, you know, that's questionable, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, Freud says we never really grow up, we just learn how to behave in public and I think he got that right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and Hamilton, I, uh, I, was, I was a barber, I was cutting hair. Uh, okay. uh, in those days, and uh, in a, in a, in a, and I n didn't realise until very recently how what a male cave the barber shop, the man's barber shop was. But looking back <laughs> on it now, the uh, the conversations that took place amongst men were were filthy, um, um, <laughs> and 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 racist. Um, I don't think anybody really meant anything by it. They were just also stupid. Do you know what I mean? It was it was com stupid conversation. Sure. Uh, that men would have. It was a different, different world. We were in the year to say, that's another thing that's changed with Rocky over the years because uh, uh, in, the, in the early 60s, the late 50s, in, 50, in the 50s and 60s, in Great Britain, the most successful films in Great Britain were the carry on films, which are just double entendre after double entendre and very clumsy double entendre. We're talking here, you know, sexual innuendo after sexual innuendo. And we were raised on that as comedy. The whole families laughed at this kind of stuff. And then along came Bond. And, uh, you know, it was seen as absolutely fine, you know, for, for Bond to get his, get his end away. And, and the world, we were inured. 
to sec to to misogynism and uh, and and uh, other things that went with it unpleasantnesses that went with it rocky was kind of is interesting because it it it's it it's the first time anybody stood up and said proudly what they were unashamedly what they were you know like it or love it or leave it you know and the strange thing was you see as as we stand in those days looking at the audiences watching this creature in front of them with ripped fishnets and 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 even even uh, um, a blue um, um, bruising on, on, on the arm with um, sticking plasters and blood coming down as if he'd shot up several times i mean this is a terrible it was a rather terrifying character it wasn't as glamorous as he became on the movie it was a bit more it was a bit more expressionistic it was slightly more kind of you know what they call it grand google or something rather there's a strange uh, uh, word that i always have trouble pronouncing with the g in it uh, that uh -huh. that dark kind of expressionistic theater it was a lot it was a lot more like that but the thing was the, the funny thing was was that the, the women found him attractive and the men <laughs> the men sitting beside the women would say i see what you mean it was it was an interesting moment in time when when and when somebody like that could be could be I don't know a little bit of a turn on really. It's a bit like fight getting the hot server crew out of Deville. <laughs> <laughs> well, what makes me think of now is Harry Styles has incorporated all of this very glittery, gender bendy kind of stuff into his stage persona, and uh, the girls go crazy for it. And certainly mm -hmm. at this era, David Bowie was doing that, and yes. um, I, I think it was well, glam uh, rock. Glam, glam rock. yeah. Glam rock was definitely. I mean, I, I, I we we came in. We we sat on the end of glam rock and 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 the and the advent of punk. Uh, we right. were right in the right in the centre there, and I think I think it's fair to say that we we had a we had um, so a little bit something to do with British punk because Malcolm McLaren's shop was just around the corner of the Kings Road Theatre. He used to come and stand stand at the back of the stalls on any time he wanted and watch the show. When I was playing Riff Raff in New York, he came to the theatre and took me off to see the New York Dolls, who we thought he was uh, going to sign up at that time. And so, you know, Rocky, I, I think I think Little Nell, to some extent, is 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 probably a, a role model for for punk fashion, and and she it, that was her. She didn't she didn't um, pick it up from anywhere else. That was definitely her style. Also, the Sue Blaine, the costume designer of the film, yes, sort of, uh, you know, all her her vision of of what these uh, Transylvanians look like, uh, I think, bled into the the growing punk scene. Yes, it's good. It's uh, she's uh, she's right on the money. That girl, um, yeah, she's 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 a, she's a, one of those costume geniuses, and she works with the she works with the actors uh, a lot, so that uh, that she personalizes. The, the, even if it is, if it, even if it is a kind of stylized look, she'll personalize it. She's terribly good. And uh, speaking of Bowie, uh, didn't you bring in his own uh, makeup artist, Pierre Laroche, to do the uh, the, the film makeup styles? Yeah, yes, he did. Um, he did turn up for a while. He um, he. What he did was um, give a give a kind of a, a ground plan for how others others would take take it on. Um, 
it's a, it's a bit it was a bit uh, a bit uh, too much pancake uh, at, uh, so a bit too drag looking at, at times and that had to be we had to be careful about that it's interesting you should bring that up because now they just have this uh, live action uh, little mermaid and they're complaining that uh, ursula is not drag enough that they oh. should have hired a, a proper drag makeup oh artist. this is silly isn't it <laughs> This is so silly, isn't it? You can only be gay. You, you know, you have to be gay to play a, a gay actor. Or uh, how silly is this? I mean, if, if, we, if we were, if we were to, you know, if there was a payback time, I mean, come on. How many gay actors have been playing straight men for the last kind of like fifty, sixty, hundred years on movies, <laughs> in movies, and in their day to day life sometimes in Hollywood. Uh-huh. But, um, <laughs> Um, so, okay, let's go backwards. So you've moved uh, from New Zealand to London to be an actor, correct? Yes. And um, and then how does this uh, this creation bubble up? Does it start as a song or what, what was the original root of it? I was I was I was somebody that used to write songs. I, I, you know, I was a hippie, for God's sakes, you know, a jazz cigarette and a guitar and mm-hmm. sitting around. I'd be writing songs through the 60s and I had a draw fall of them. And uh, I was—I'd been in Hair, the musical, and then I—then I joined uh, the, the 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 cast of Jesus Christ Superstar for its opening in the West End. I was—I um, was contracted to um, to take over the role of Herod from an American actor called Paul Jabara, lovely boy, um, and uh, that didn't happen. They were in breach of contract. Um, Stiggy didn't want me to do it. Um, Robert Stigwood. Um, they paid me off 300 quid. I went home and I just had my baby boy just been, been born. And I knew I was now had a, a, a real responsibility, a genuine responsibility in my life. And I was seriously considering uh, abandoning the theater and saying, yeah, go back and get a job. You know, and I've got to, you know, I no, no, wouldn't have had a problem about it. Yeah, just a bit of disappointment. Uh, but someone asked me to go and entertain the, the, the staff at EMI Film Studios for their Christmas party. So I cobbled together uh, uh, 15 minutes of stand-up and wrote a song called Science Fiction Double Feature, which were my movies, the movies I like, to, to, to sing to them that evening. And if I, I mean, the test for me was if I could do it and make them happy and pleased, if I, whatever I, you know, I would gauge, use this night to see whether I should stick around a little longer. And, uh, and I went, it went down very, very well. And, um, and a little later, just after Christmas, I got a phone call from Jim Sharman, who directed um, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. He said he was doing a play at the Royal Court Theatre. That was a Sam Shepard play. And Sam was in town and uh, called The Unseen Hand. Would I like to come and do, you know, an audition for that? I did. Played, played the, 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 really the space freak. Um, and uh, while we were doing that, met a, a boy called Richard Hartley. who was doing some incidental music with that production. Uh, we got together. We've been now together for 50 years writing uh, together. Uh, and while we were doing that, I mentioned to Jim and, uh, and, and, and Richard that I was playing around with this idea of a musical. I was going to use a, um, a double feature, science fiction double feature as the prologue. And I'd had a few pages of what was happening, where it was going and a couple of more songs, and they came round one evening, and I, and I played the songs I had and chatted about the idea. 
And Jim went away and then phoned me about, well, three or four days later and said they've asked me to do a play downstairs at the Walcott Theatre. And I've told them my will, but only if I can have three weeks fun upstairs first. So, you, you know, I need another 20 pages and another, you know, five songs. And, and we were off. And that's, that's basically how it happened. It was, it was as simple as that. If I'd got the job, if Stig had let me stay in, in Superstar, of course, I, I would never have written it because I, I'd, I'd have been happy to be, you know, singing and dancing every night. And it probably wouldn't have crossed my mind. It was a kind of written out of spite, really. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> and this is how the message ran. Um, well, I had a feeling that uh, Science Fiction Double Feature was probably the, the, the germ of it. Uh, and it's such an amazing song. It's an education to um, anyone who listens to it. They'll learn uh, all these titles of classic uh, sci-fi and horror films and yeah. actors. Uh, I met even more. I met. I sorry, met, yeah. I met. I met Jeanette Scott. I was. I. I, I was. Uh... I, I, I was I was at the BBC Centre one one evening, and there was drinks in the garden, and, uh, and we were chatting with people. And and her children came up to me, and I went over and I met Jeanette Scott, and I really got hot when I saw Jeanette Scott fight a trip that spits poison and kills. And she, I, I, I this, has, this happened several times. I I get the feedback. Uh, she was delighted to have been kind of canonized in, in that song and, and, and several people but Steve Reeves I've heard it I it got back to me that Steve Reeves loved the bed that he was mentioned in the movie and of course um, God bless Lily Sincere I, I did a, a woman a woman was doing a, a book on on strippers and uh, American strippers in the 50s and and uh, it came back to me that Lily was delighted to have been canonized <laughs> It is. It's incredible. You've made these people complete beyond what they already accomplished. Icons on another level. Uh, yeah. I remember my dad telling me about him going to pay to see Lily St. Cyr, and I you know, had no idea who she was except from the song. Uh, and that really fascinated me. And then like, there was lyrics like, Dana Andrews said prunes gave him the runes, and I had no <laughs> idea what that meant. But I would well, go, it's, it's a cheap little joke, isn't it? It's a rude, <laughs> there's a rude little joke. There's a bit of to carry on humor there. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the, uh, the, the sort of humor that you were, were raised on, right? The double entendres and uh, the, the cheekiness. Um, anyway, it's what can I say? That song, which of course is sung um, in the play by uh, an usherette, but in the film it became something what much more iconic. Do you want to say how that how that happened? Well, I'm I'm not quite. I, I'm I thought I thought I did. I was, the the lips are from from the Man Ray um, a, 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 a painting photograph that you might be familiar with. Uh, um, okay. the, I've never heard one that. of the one of the art designers was very hot on 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 um, uh, all kinds, all sorts of art, and uh, especially especially that kind of absurdist kind of art. Um, so that that was the that was the inspiration for the mouth, and of course Pat Quinn had been the usherette on, on stage, and so she sang it. Uh, her, her face was blacked around here, and her lips done up, and and uh, and and she had to mouth the piece. Um, I sang it, and I had no idea that I was going to. We were in, we were we were doing the the, the soundtrack for the movie, pre-recording. 
um, some of the songs and the tracks. And uh, and and Jim and and Richard asked me to sing it out of the blue, and I have no idea why, but I did, and uh, and that was it. I, I don't recall having a discussion about it beforehand. It, it was just something that happened immediately, and uh, um, and it, it didn't matter because it would have just been. I would have liked to have had a copy of me singing it anyway. That that soundtrack of even if I hadn't been used, but that's, that's, that's all that happened there. I mean, it, it did a few things brilliantly. One is it, it uh, gave it a, a, a signature iconic uh, symbol, like a, what you'd call now an emoji, <laughs> but the okay. lips, like all you have to do is see the lips and you right away know what movie it is and, um, and what you're in for. Yes. Um, so it was kind of like a branding genius there, and then the 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 the, the uh, gender bending of the male voice with the female lips is like also very, you know, I would say symbolic of the of the greater film's themes, and and mm-hmm. it's a great way to kind of just rattle your head up and say, "Come on, you're coming into uh, what is no longer Kansas. Come with me." Yes, it, it shifts it shifts the ground beneath your feet, doesn't it slightly? Yeah. So amazing. And then uh, in researching, I found out that the lips on the poster, the ones another set of jaws, yeah. are in fact a, a, a different set of lips. That, that's a, a Playboy model named Lorelei Shark. It's her oh, lips. Oh, well, I, did, well, I didn't know that. You didn't? No, I didn't. <laughs> there, I'm teaching you things. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, how, how well, that was, of course, playing off Jaws, you know, was came out the same year and was a hit. And I think they were trying to jump on on that. Um, well, they didn't know how, they didn't they didn't really know how to sell to, you know, poor 20th century Fox. Um, they, they didn't know where their target audience was, uh, had no idea and uh, just didn't know how to sell the movie to, because, you know, it was that off the wall for them. Um Found its own audience, uh, which is good news. Uh, better, the better, really, truthfully. In many ways, in fact, from day one, I can say that the, the audience, the audience's uh, reaction, it was pretty good. I and mean, we had exceptionally good reviews when we opened with the show. But the, the word of mouth was 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 what was what actually sold the show. It was it, it? It was a hit. Now we're talking about almost the, the stage show. That, almost before it opened, it, it was it was one of those strange things that you know that we'd only sat sixty-two people in that little tiny theatre, and it was packed because we both come from we, we, we both had everybody in the show had friends in the theatre, and Jim had just 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 um, directed Jesus by Superstar, so there was it was a pretty star-studded audience in many ways. And the word and, and we pleased them, and the word of mouth was was phenomenal, really. Uh, we were we were we sold out really for, uh, and we ran for seven years. For, uh, the three three uh, well, three week run ran for seven years. That's not bad, is it? No, not for a, a, a stage show like that. That, that. You know, yeah, of course, I have original material. Mm. I mean, it's the holy grail, really, for live theater. How did you um, enlist Tim Curry to to play Frankenfurter? I'm not sure. I, I I knew Tim, and I'd actually met him in the street. I'd been out looking for 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 Rocky Horrors. Uh, I was I went down there was a gym in in a, in, a, in one of the side streets in London, and I I was I'd been uh, poking my nose around the gym. I thought might not make some strong strong men anyway. Um, <laughs> the uh, it was a good <laughs> good day out, 
Um, and I, I ran, I ran, and I ran into, I ran into Tim as I was coming out of this gym, and uh, we 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 crossed paths in here uh, years before, and we natted away. And he asked me what I was doing. I told him, and off he went. When he was doing a play. Uh, in the evening, we were rehearsing during the day in the room, and in that eve- each evening, he was he was doing a play there. So obviously, everybody that was was at the theatre was going to audition for us, you know, because that's what you did. And uh, he auditioned. I wasn't there when he auditioned, uh, and when I came back from wherever I was, uh, he was Frank. Uh, so I can't give you any more than that. I'm so glad the decision was made, though. So it, it wasn't your call. You, no, you I, I no. In fact, we, I think I think we had another chap in mind, truthfully, and it never crossed my never crossed my mind that, that we would go anywhere else other than than this person that that, that we kind of like talked about. Now you said you were in hair with him. You, I just watched the Donna Summer documentary HBO. That was her first big uh, thing. London, the hair. Were you in it with with uh, Donna Summer? No, I, I I met Donna Summer many uh, many years later, uh, but no, 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 I, no. I went I went on I went on um, I went into here nineteen seventy, so they'd been already oh. been playing for two years. I, I went on a, on a national tour around Great Britain and Scotland. Oh wow! Um, okay, so so Tim is just uh, he just kind of falls into it, and but of course this becomes his signature role and. Uh, where did the idea to turn your your Doctor Frankenstein into um, a transvestite come from? Well, I think that has to have come from me. I mean, I'm I, I, the, I, I used to beat myself up about it was the hand I was dealt. I don't know how it works. I'm, I've got no idea. I've I've read many tomes on on the subject of the, the transvestic nature. I don't know how it, how it arrives. You, it's it's a card you're dealt. And uh, and you know in a, in a binary world it's uh, it was in a, in a sensible binary world it's it's a bit of a it's a well um, a bit of a curse really uh, especially in those days when when homosexuality was was a crime and uh, uh, you know just one of those things that society uh, Western society wasn't uh, very keen on. And uh, then I, it was, a, I suppose, a little kind of. I, I guess it has to have been cathartic, doesn't it? I, I guess that has to have been the reason why. <coughs> but I'm, I certainly wouldn't have thought about it in these terms. How do you identify? I don't even know what what you what you are. <laughs> well, I'm just. I, I, what I've always wanted to be was 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 whole, was centrally whole, <laughs> uh, um, complete. But no, I've, I've, I have so much girl in me. It's, you know, it just it doesn't make any, any sense. I think it would have been made more sense had I been born a girl. That's true, but it is a patriarchal, misogynistic fucking world, you know. So aren't I lucky because I've been able to walk down streets and go places that I wouldn't ever have been able to go down if I'd been a girl. So they know there are, you know, it's it, you just have to kind of like. Put everything in, in, into into perspective, really, and 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 be grateful. I, I am deeply, deeply grateful to have been born into a race of sentient beings. I'm deeply grateful to have to turn the tap on and get water coming up the tap and a roof over my head. And I'm deeply grateful to being to be, being loved uh, I, I, by my children and by my my lovely wife. I, you know, I've got a lot to be grateful for. 
Wow, I would say so. And what do you make of the whole recent, you know, sort of gender expression revolution, for lack of a better term, and the way um, the younger uh, generation? It's, it's going through a nightmare at times. Um, uh, we, we were talking earlier on about sexuality and being inured to it. Me Too is a perfectly, it's, 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 it's over time, uh, beyond time. That it's, but, it, it, you know, there's going to be fallout with it. Um, uh, it, and it's not it's not council culture it's cultural evolution mm. uh, and and, and the, it's uh, with, with we seem to be going backwards you you people with, in america with with, with this uh, maga minded uh, um, uh, situation that's taken it's terrifying the world the rest of the world can you imagine donald trump and marjorie taylor green as the vice president in, in, in the next time up it, it, it's, it's horrifying. Just, it, it's but, it, it, it doesn't it, it it doesn't make any sense. It's as if rationality has just just been abandoned by by American people. That's and yet, it, certain areas where you would think you were in a liberal stronghold or, or in safe hands, and I think of J.K. Rowling, of course, has now become declared sort of an enemy of of trans rights. And I things don't like that. I don't know what what she's supposed to have said that's so upsetting. Quite frankly, it may be br- uh, it may be um, uh, brusque, it may be confronta- confronta- confrontational, whatever the word is. Um, uh, but it, she hasn't been unkind to anybody, mm-hmm. and I, what I don't understand is, I, 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 you see, I, I, let's talk about the sport, entering sport. If you're a male, if you were previously male and you now become a woman, and you still want to play international sport at the top level, I think that's rude. I think mm. I think any decent human being would say. If I carry on in, in doing playing playing tennis at the top, now I'm going to play women's tennis. That's that's going to be that's going to be a, a controversial thing to do. Would I be happy standing there and taking the cup at the end of that? No, I wouldn't. I think it's rude. I think they should. I think decency should say I will not compete at international level. I can still play the game. On, on, on an amateur way, but uh, you know, playing professionally, I, I shouldn't. I should, or you know, or the Olympics or anything. I shouldn't enter into this. I think it's bad manners, is what I'm saying. I don't know how you deal with it um, legally and socially, but I just think it's terribly bad manners to continue. Let me ask about Peter Hinwood, who played Rocky. He was the uh, the muscle man from the film. And then, yes. I don't know this for certain, but I heard somewhere that he disavowed the film. He became religious or something of that nature, and that he didn't like to be asked about Rocky Horror. Is that is that the fact? No, no, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, a very private man, Peter. He always was a very private man, um, a, a delightful human being, very private, and um, and he d- he didn't want to be. He was he was good looking, and he and he he was a male model. And uh, and that's where we, we, we got him from, the world we, we picked him up from. But he wasn't happy. He knew he, he knew he could do it, but it wasn't what he wanted to do. It, and uh, he was an, he's been an antique dealer for most of his life. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did a wonderful job. He gave yes. uh, uh, the monster a real kind of soul. You really felt for him in the film. I think so, too. I think there was a, there was a naturalism, that, an unaffected naturalism to Peter that was, 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 was very, very lovely. Yes, absolutely. It's a wonderful cast, uh, start to finish. Now, uh, so it, it's a hit, and it plays uh, around the world. It's New York, 
did, they tried to bring it to Broadway, but it, I don't know if that worked out. But it, it was a, a stage hit. I assume that's what led to it being made into a Fox film. Yes, we were we were we were very lucky that we were able to um, not only make a movie of it, but but uh, you know, from my, my writing point of view, but also also that we could all play our original roles, and that's very unusual. And Jim, uh, stage uh, the theatre director, was allowed to direct the movie. Very unusual. Uh, it was a bit. It was a bit like giving the kids, you know, the key to the sweet shop, really, because um, <laughs> uh, it, 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 it was. It was just. Now we can go and now we can go and make a record of what we've been doing on stage for the last, you know, nine months. How this last nine months has changed our lives. We were we opened in a fringe theatre event and. Nine months later, we're making a, a motion picture of it, and uh, everybody around, uh, everybody in, in the Western world has heard the, the name of the Rocky Horror Show. Um, it, it was that, but it was still a fringe theatre event. It was very odd. The whole thing's very odd. <laughs> <laughs> you were shooting at the Hammer Studios, weren't you? Or using yep, sets the, from yes, the Hammer? Yes, great, Yes, so it was the House of Hammer, the House of Horror. And in fact, the, the old house you will spot again and again in, in, in uh, classic, or when, I, when I, I'm using the word classic loosely here, old, old movies, um, uh, black and white movies. It's, I, I've spotted it at least three times in other movies because it was just right next door to the, the studios. It was obvious, you know, it was very handy just across the paddock there. When they're looking up at the at the light over at the Frankenstein place, yeah. is that an actual house or is it a facade? Yes. Oh, yeah. oh no, that that was a no, that was a, a Victorian Gothic revival building that had fallen into disrepair, and uh, the owner was living elsewhere. I think probably in France, uh, had tenants in there. Um, that listed uh, not not it wasn't a big it wasn't heavily listed, but it was it was. Uh, um, had been listed, so she she was supposed to do the work, but of course she's living abroad, and so there was rain coming through the roof. Um, that room that I sang that over the Frankenstein place, a uh, bit in the light in the window, the, the, there were floorboards rotted out in the room. You were walking on the joists and things. It was pretty derelict at that time. It's now it's now been refurbished and it's a hotel. <laughs> I'm sure it draws a lot of Rocky Horror fans who want to experience it. It has over the years, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but I have to imagine all that must have lent to the realism of, of the whole thing. But it did. And and the other great thing was that uh, Fox insisted that we, we have two Americans in the movie, which meant that Brad and Janet were entering our world because we'd already been doing it for nine months. We were all, we knew exactly what we were doing. And this uh, other couple came in, Americans came in, and it was exact that again, just to hit exactly the right note because they they were indeed 
the newcomers to, to something that was already established. And culture shocked. Yes. <laughs> I'm <absolutely>. sure. <laughs> to the weirdness. Hello. Hi. My name's Brad Majors. Uh, this is my fiance, Janet Weiss. I wonder if you might help us. You see, our car broke down a few miles up the road. Your phone we might use? You're awake. Yes, it's raining. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, 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 uh, we're lucky with those two. They're great. great. Uh, I mean, Susan Sarandon and Barry Boswick, uh, amazing, yeah. amazing. I mean, yeah. I, I doubt they'll ever be able to escape those two performances, even though they've had great careers, both of them. Yes. But um, uh, they're so wonderful and so game for uh, the craziness. I mean, touch a yeah. touch a touch a touch me. And then, yeah. of course, Barry wears uh, fishnets at the end of the last scene and really gets into it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's asking a lot um, uh-huh. of, of your actors, young yes. actors who are just setting out, but they were so into it. Yeah. And of course, the, the idea of prudishness never, never, never crossed my mind, uh, uh, or, or Jim Sharman's, or any of us really. We're all kind of very, very liberal uh, people. But every you, you, you'd, you'd come up against a, a kind of, for instance, meatloaf um, was was pretty anti the, the, the kind of theme of the show uh, for mm. for a while. The re- reluctant to engage in the, in in the, in, the, in the fun of it. Until he got his first laugh. Yeah, that will change everybody, <laughs> won't it? <laughs> anyway. But he was, you know, he was a good old boy. There was lots of that kind of like puritanical kind of streak that runs through uh, too much of America. Uh, <laughs> right. I, you know, it never goes out of style. Where here we are again. They're trying to ban drag. They're trying to ban this, ban that. It just, and it just makes the, the movie, unfortunately, always feel very quite fresh. Because it starts in a church, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. Bizarre. Meatloaf was in the original stage play? Yes, in, on, in, on, on, uh, on Sunset Strip at the Roxy. I see. So when it comes to L.A., that's when he joined. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, Jim, Jim, and, and the, the nice, the, 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 one of the nice round things, circular bits for me, is that the Paul Jabara, who I was supposed to... Uh, take over the role of Herod from, um, took over from from Tim, when we pulled Tim out of L.A. to, to back to England to make the movie. Uh, Paul stepped in and played his part. Now, that was, I thought, that was really very nice, that little journey, that little circular journey. That's, that is nice. And, and, and um, Meatloaf was not a well-known uh, rock star at that point. I think this was his launching pad, wasn't it? I think it, I think it certainly gave him, a, gave him, a, he'd, um, I think had he worked had he worked at that that outdoor theater in New York. Um, I, I, I know they wanted him to sing opera. He always spoke about that. He had made an album with a girl called Stoney. The album was called Meatloaf and Stoney. I actually had a copy of it for a while. Um, and uh, yeah, but so certainly, Bad Out of Hell was not was a, a few years later. I oh, mean, much later. Yes, much yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. Um, and then 
I, I, a few iconic sequences. I mean, each one is iconic, but the time warp, uh, the, just the choreography from that. Was that taken from the stage show, or was that originated for the, uh, the play? No, that was that would we, we didn't have the. the excuse me, I've got to sneeze. Excuse no me. problem. Um, no, I'm not. Yes, I am. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> um, no, we we didn't have the Transylvanians on stage. You see, there was only us people on stage. We didn't even have understudies on stage when we did this show. Uh, first did the show. Um, you, you were off that the show stopped. Um, uh, so no, the, the choreography you see, you're thinking of the movie choreography, aren't you? I think. Yes. Yes. Which everyone does That was two, two choreographers we had working, working on that crowd. So no, whatever you see there was done specially for the, for the camera. Amazing. And then um, the, the lab laboratory scene, as I understand, was actually filmed on Halloween or the day before Halloween and used real uh, Hammer Horror uh, sets and things? Um, no, no, no. <laughs> no, the, right, lab, the, 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 lab, the lab was built at the end of the, the, end of the dance hall there. Um, truth be behind the, 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 yeah. It was very, uh, yes, it was a bit, a bit strange. And, and of course... Uh, they took, there wasn't a door to the lab, and uh, and we have to have um, the, um, Dr. Scott's entrance, and the day going, where, where is going? Where, where does he come? How does he get into the lab? We haven't <laughs> got a door, <laughs> so we had to come through the wall. <laughs> oh, <that makes laughs> we really sense. had to come through the wall. There was no other way in. Give yourself over. Um, and then, of course, the the swimming pool scene, which it just it moves me on a, a, a guttural level every time I see it. Uh, Tim Curry's performance in that, and Don't Dream It, Be It, and all of it. It's such a an amazing emotional roller coaster of a of a performance, um, and so epic with all of them. So, where was that pool? What, what was that pool? Well, you see, you see, when you wait, 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 let's go back to the lab. And uh, and the lift comes up with Brad and Janet out of the floor, doesn't it? Yes. Okay. Now that lift is coming out of the, the swimming pool. Okay. Okay. So the la- the lab was was torn down. The lab was torn down, and the the, the swimming pool was used for what it was uh, for a tank, uh, and 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 the and the 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 the, the, the the uh, God touching uh, uh, Adam's finger was was painted onto the floor of it, and uh, it was a tank in a movie in a, like a uh, soundstage. It's, it's in it's in the stage. It's in, that's on that same stage that we where the dancing took place, where the ballroom was. Uh, that the lab the lab was sitting over the tank. But this is not the house. That's a separate. No, this is this is this is at Bray Studios. It's their own. It was their the only sound stage. It was the only sound stage they had. It was used for everything. Um, it's so amazing. And then, of course, when you turn on him after that whole, uh, you know, Academy Award performance, crying and the, the mascara, and then you're just so over it, and you're just like, no, we're going back to Transylvania without you. Yeah, miserable and- bastard. <laughs> so you were really just hating him the whole the whole movie. Riffraff hated Frankenfurter. 
I, 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 there's a, they've built a, they've built a statue of me in Hamilton, uh, a, a, a beautiful statue made by Weta Workshops uh, here, um, um, a bronze erection, uh, one and a half times life size of riffraff, and of course there was a lot of uh, the newspaper complaint. How dare they? How dare they put up this? You know, it's going to it's going to turn young children apparently into into to, you know, lead them down the path of something to unholiness. Um, and I wrote a letter to the baby. I said, the strange thing is, you see, riffraff would agree with you, chaps. <laughs> <laughs> There's the irony. <laughs> um, riffraff was definitely the coolest uh, of all the characters. So I can't even, I, it's this crazy I'm talking to you right playing, now. I love it. Playing, 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 uh, playing uh, bad-tempered, resentful butlers is a terribly, is terribly... It's very satisfying. Oh, so there's something so satisfying about it. I don't even know if I could put my finger on it. Do you keep in touch with uh, the, your co-stars uh, uh, from the film, Patricia Quinn? And uh... I haven't seen Pat for years. I, I'm um, little Nell and I um, email each other quite, quite, uh, quite a lot. Barry Bostwick, I've, I, I caught up with here in Auckland, and we've had one or two emails, but. Um, but other than that, no, not really. I live a very sedentary life here. Um, watch a lot of television, uh, <laughs> um, right? And uh, no, I, 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 we're very shut off, very isolated here. I, I quite like it, truthfully. I, I don't, I don't think we're getting too isolated, too insular. But it's something we've got to watch because it's very attractive. There's still all kinds of Rocky Horror fan events and conventions. I imagine, you know, you've been asked to reunite everyone for for one last. Yes, I, 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 I wouldn't be up for it, quite frankly. I, I, I don't want to. I, don't, I, I hate airports. I, I, they, they, stress, <laughs> they stress me out, completely stress me out. I, I, I just I hate it. I, I, having just flown in from New York yesterday, I know what you're talking about. But what about a concert or just singing some of the songs again? Well, once again, you see, I, I my, my, I'm getting, I've got getting arthritis in my thumbs, and and uh, and that means I can't, I can't be uh, absolutely assured that I'm going to be able to hit the chords uh, uh, on the guitar the way I, I, I want to, and 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 that adds stress. So, you know, it's, it's it's a it's a bugger getting old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, I do. I still like singing, and I'm very grateful that my voice hasn't got done those old but shaky voices yet. That none of that, none of that's happened, and I've still got a pretty good ear. I don't, I don't sing off key, so I still enjoy that. But and I do like singing and playing the guitar, but it's it's uh, it is stressful because you once you've got an audience in, you can't fuck up. You see, you're not allowed to fuck up. It's all right, run with friends. That's that's fine. But you don't well, want to could, do it on stage, do you? We could rehearse a few lines here. Like, it's astounding. Do you want to try it? Just a little rehearsal. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let the record show I tried. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and so, okay, so the movie comes out, and of course it, it, it does not have the reaction of the, of the live stage show. I think people were a little scratching their heads at, w- at what it was, or what, what, what was with your interpretation of what happened? Um, I, I, I can see, uh, um, I could, uh, I, it's very difficult. It's, it's strange because we added more into the movie and the, the, the dinner scene, of course, that's not on stage. So mm. we'd, we'd stretched, we'd stretched it an awful lot in some areas, 
but it still ran at the same time as the stage show. And that, that was odd, but it's, it's has a sort of dreamlike quality to it. There's something, uh, it's, uh, it's, it is, it is, it is, it's, there's a different, it, the stage show has energy. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the, 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 the movie has more of a sort of a languid kind of feel to it. Um, it less, it's, it's less energetic. It's, um, well, more, well, a more dreamlike quality, I think, is, is all I can say. And, and, and whether that's useful, I not, but I speak, I suppose when, um, now what was that David Lynch film, A Razorhead? Did you ever go and mm-hmm. see that? Did you oh, see course. that in a cinema? Yes, I have. In yes. with 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 people. Yes, in a yes. cinema. Yeah, because it's it's. I I I had a friend that went to see it in London, a little classic cinema, and she said, "You've got to go and see it." You know, what's it about? I'm not going to tell you. I have refused to tell you. She said, "All I can say is it's a bit like being in a dream while you're awake," and I sat there and I knew exactly what she meant. It was most disconcerting. And and uh, and and not to, we'd, Rocky doesn't do it to the same extent that uh, that that um, a Razorhead does, but I think there is a slightly kind of we're in a we're in a comfortable warm dream. Mm-hmm. Um, the fairy tale aspect is 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 ever present. Um, there's so much that we're familiar with. Um, the church at the beginning, the Midwestern church at the beginning, and uh, the, there's so much, there's a lot of familiarity with what we're doing. And, of course, it is Hansel and Gretel, and uh, and uh, the Wicked Witch is, is, is Frankenfurter. They, 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 there's a familiarity with where we're going, that's comfortable and allows us to engage with, with, with the piece and, and, uh, and, and take pleasure from it, I think. Absolutely. It, it does have that sway, over me at least, of some of the movies you've mentioned, where there's sort of Oz and things like that. It mm-hmm. affects at, a, at a, a deep, primal, I'd say Freudian level. <laughs> it's let you, let's take you on it. Let's take you on it. Let's take you on a journey. It's once upon a time, isn't it? It's that's, that's it starts with that kind of feel, and yes. and we and and once we're in that sitting comfortably, we're let, please tell us a story. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, it became a unique phenomenon in the history of motion pictures, which is that it became this uh, live interactive hybrid thing, and. Um, what were your what was your initial reaction when you first saw these people you know mimicking the characters I, on screen and i have a i have i have a memory of a of a of um, of a hall i think in long island at a at a, at a, a very very first rocky horror kind of gathering um and and they've played the film after we spoke first to you know for an hour or so and we were all there uh, Meatloaf was there, Pat, and uh, and uh, we turned up, um, and at some stage, while they were playing the film, a girl was dressed up as Frankenfurter, and she sat on the front of the stage, and it got to that bit where I'm going home, and and and, and Tim was doing this with his eyes, and they had a low spotlight on her, and it picked her up on the edge of the stage, and her silhouette was 
just about exactly the same size as mm. as the cinema image, and mm. it was doing this. So there's cinema image silhouette, yeah, real live person looking so much like the. But, but now you're got, you're doing that and and doing and the audience singing the refrains. There you go. This wasn't even rehearsed. This is fucking wonderful theatre. <laughs> this is mm-hmm. this is beyond this, but just beautiful. It's it's incredible if you've never experienced it. Go mm. to see it with a proper shadow cast, and um, and uh, it is ex- a, a hybrid of film and uh, theater in a way that uh, I've rarely seen and experienced. And it makes you a fan immediately. You become part of this church of Rocky Horror. But they also yell things at the screen a lot. And I wonder if you feel at first we're like, "Hey, be quiet, my movie's on," or were you like, "Oh, this is good fun"? Um, well, it's 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 got. It got a bit. It got a bit. It's been through quite some kind of uh, transitions. The shouting at the screen. Um, it it became a bit rude, actually. Um, you know, and and not that witty. Um, I like. I like. I'm. I'm more for it. But uh, sometimes it's it's intrusive. And we had to be very careful with, with, the, with the actors on stage because if, if we weren't careful, the audience would take over the evening. Mm-hmm. And 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 I'm not talking about we're talking about you know a third of the audience taking over the evening, and the other two thirds of the audience are at, now at a party that they haven't been invited to, and that wasn't very good. So it's it's essential that we we in the in the movie it makes no difference because it's the same every night. And some of it's very clever. I, I, the guy running up to the screen when I throw the pitchfork over the side of the going up the steps when I'm dressed as um, American Gothic at the beginning. I throw uh-huh. the pitchfork, pitchfork over the edge. Somebody standing below it going. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but they, did they didn't uh, respond during the original play? Did they? That only started after it became a midnight uh, movie. The movie. Movie, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, people appreciate it. And you know, I saw uh, it on a Halloween at the uh, Hollywood Forever Cinema in ho- in uh, it's a, cem- a cemetery in Hollywood where they show films on the side of a mausoleum. Good and um, it was incredible. It was a really fun night. Out of respect. <laughs> actually, in in LA, that is the highest respect. Is if, <laughs> if you're screened at the uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery on the mausoleum. So it it had a, a crowd of thousands who'd come. Can it be my mausoleum audience- next week? <laughs> <laughs> You, I mean, if you ever want to, you know, go through a, a, a airport again, they would love to host you, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, but they didn't scream. They, the audience didn't know all these because uh, it's a very, you know, intense, involved thing to know all these callbacks and everything. So it was just the film. And I, I enjoyed it on on its own terms. It didn't okay. need all, all this other stuff that it's, it really does stand on its own. And of course, the music is, you know, one of my favorite soundtracks of all time i mean it is just incredible it's hit after hit and they're so wonderful and brilliant well and they're very and... simple three chord three chord kind of little songs aren't they and and luckily you know uh, richard and i uh, both were both about the same age and we listened to the same records on the hit parade um as, as young boys as you know and though all those songs were so formulaic you know three chords um, um a middle eight and and, and a chorus uh, basically, it came. It all came out of the Brill Building. <laughs> mm. Well, th- there's a reason that formula stands the test of time, you know. And and these these songs 
certainly do. It's just incredible. I, in the first season, we did uh, 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 Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which I, I don't oh, think yeah. since Rocky it, it did an, a soundtrack affect me so so deeply. And uh, mm. it, it's just so exciting for me to be able to, to talk to you. What can I say? It's so cool. Well, once again, thank you so much, Richard O'Brien. That was such an amazing experience. Uh, I tell you, time is fleeting. Certainly it is fleeting, um, but it is so great to have you here um, with us for posterity to relive uh, how uh, this incredibly influential, to me at least, um, movie musical came to be. No, thank you, Don Boy. Uh, and as for next week, we have another one very, very formative on young Seth. It's Tron, the Disney's completely avant-garde, mind-blowing, computer-animated uh, kind of hybrid uh, video game adventure um, from 1983, I believe. And um, we have Steven Lisberger, who wrote and directed it, uh, with us. Another just legend a god in terms of uh what he foresaw with this film so you know if you have disney plus go watch their pristine print of it and come back because we're gonna have a lot of fun with steve lisberger and until then i'll see you in hollywood (laughs) 